0: part two chapter seventeen of war and peace by leo tolstoy translated by nathan haskell doyle this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by marianne chapter seventeen in the month of june occurred the battle of friedland in which the pavlo Grazui took no part and this was followed immediately by an armistice Rostov grievously missed his friend and as he had not had any news of him since he left the regiment and was doubly uneasy about his trial and the result of his wound he took advantage of the armistice and went to the hospital to make inquiries about Denisov. The hospital was established in a small Prussian village which had twice been sacked by the Russian and French armies. For the very reason that it was summer when everything in nature was beautiful, this village, with its ruined roof-trees and fences and its filthy streets, its ragged inhabitants and the invalid and drunken soldiers wandering about, presented an especially gloomy appearance. The hospital had been established in a stone mansion with many broken panes and window-frames, and situated in a yard with the remains of a ruined fence. A number of pale-looking soldiers, bandaged and swollen, were walking up and down, or sitting in the sun in the yard. As soon as Rostov entered the house, he was enveloped by the odor of putrefaction and disease. On the doorstep, staircase, he met the Russian military surgeon with a cigar in his mouth, the surgeon was followed by a Russian feldsher or assistant. "'I can't be everywhere at once,' the doctor was saying. "'Come this evening to Maker Alexeyevitch's. I'll be there.' The feldsher asked him some question. "Eh, Do as well as you know how. It doesn't make any difference, does it?' The doctor caught sight of Rostov mounting the stairs. "'What are you doing here, your nobility?' asked the doctor. "'What are you doing here? Because a bullet hasn't touched you, do you want to be carried off by typhus?' This is the house of leprosy. What do you mean? asked Rostov. Typhus, Batyushka. It's death for whoever comes here. Mekiev, he pointed to his assistant. Mekiev and I are the only two left to wriggle. Five of our brother doctors have died already. When a new man comes, it's all up with him in a week, said the doctor, with apparent satisfaction. The Prussian doctors were invited, but our allies did not like it at all. Rostov explained his anxiety to find Major Denisov of the Hussars. "'I don't know. I don't remember him. You can imagine. I have charge of three hospitals. Four hundred sick is too many. It's a very good thing for benevolent Prussian ladies to send us coffee and lint at the rate of two pounds a month. If they didn't, we should be utterly lost,' he laughed. Four hundred, And they send me all the new cases.' "'There are four hundred, aren't there, hey?' he asked at the Felcher. His assistant looked annoyed. It was evident that he was impatient for the too loquacious doctor to make haste and take his departure. "'Major Denisov,' repeated Rostov, "'he was wounded at Moulton.' "'I think he's dead. How is it, Mikhaev?' asked the doctor, in an indifferent tone to the felcher. The assistant simply repeated the doctor's words. "'Tell me, was he a tall, reddish man?' asked the doctor. Rostov described Denisov's appearance. "'Yes, there was. There certainly was such a person,' exclaimed the doctor, seeming to show a gleam of satisfaction. "'But that person, I am sure, must have died. However, I'll make inquiries. I have the lists. You have them, Mikiev, haven't you?' "'The lists are at Maker Alexeyevitch's,' replied the Feldsher. "'But you might inquire in the officer's ward. There you will find out for yourself,' he added, turning to Rostov. "'Ech, you'd better not go,' said the surgeon. "'You wouldn't like to be kept there.' rostov however took leave of the surgeon and begged the felcher to show him the way don't you lay blame on me shouted the doctor up from the bottom of the stairs rostov and the felcher went along the corridor the hospital odour was so powerful in this dark corridor that rostov took hold of his nose and was obliged to pause to collect his strength before he could go farther at the right a door opened and a thin sallow-looking man on crutches barefooted and in his shirt-sleeves appeared as he crossed the lintel, he gazed with gleaming, envious eyes at the approaching man. Glancing through the door, Rostov saw that the sick and wounded were lying in the room over the floor, on straw and on their cloaks. "'May I go in and look?' he asked. "'What is there to see?' replied the officer. But for the very reason that the felcher was evidently reluctant to have him go in, Rostov was determined to investigate the soldier's ward. The effluvium, which he had already smelt in the corridor, was still stronger here." it had also changed somewhat in character it was sharper more penetrating one could be certain that it was the very place where it originated in a long room brilliantly illuminated by the sun which poured in through the high windows lay the sick and wounded in two rows with their heads to the walls leaving a passageway between their feet the most of them were asleep or unconscious and paid no attention to the visitors those who had their senses either lifted themselves up or raised their thin yellow faces and all, without exception, gazed at Rostov with one and the same expression of hope that help had come, of reproach and envy at seeing another so strong and well. Rostov went into the middle of the ward, glanced through the half open doors into the adjoining rooms, and on both sides saw the same spectacle. He paused and silently looked around him. He had never expected to see such a thing. In front of him, almost across the narrow passageway, lay, on the bare floor, a sick man, apparently a Cossack, as his hair was cropped, leaving a tuft. This Cossack lay on his back, with his huge legs and arms sprawled out. His face was livid purple. His eyes were rolled up so that only the whites could be seen, and the veins in his bare legs and arms, which were still red, stood out like cords. He was thumping his head on the floor and hoarsely muttering some word which he repeated over and over again. Rostov listened to what he was saying, and at last made out what the word was. This word was water, water, water. Rostov looked around in search of someone to put the man in his place and give him a drink. "'Who looks after the sick here?' he asked of the Feldsher. Just at that moment a trained soldier, detailed to act as nurse, came along and, scraping, made a low bow before Rostov. "'I wish you good morning, your high nobility,' cried the soldier." rolling his eyes on Rostov and evidently mistaking him for some important official. "'Lift him up. Give him water,' said Rostov, pointing to the Cossack. "'I will, your high nobility,' said the soldier, with alacrity, rolling his eyes round still more attentively and craning his neck, but still not stirring from the spot. "'No. There's nothing I can do here,' thought Rostov, dropping his eyes. He was about to go on, but felt the consciousness that an entreating glance was fixed upon him from the right, and he turned around to see almost in the very corner of the room an old soldier was sitting on a cloak he had a thin stern face as yellow as a skeleton and a rough gray beard he looked entreatingly at rostov a neighbor of the old soldier on one side seemed to be whispering something to him and pointed to rostov rostov realized that the old man was determined to ask him some favor he went near and perceived that one leg was affected with gangrene and that the other had been amputated above the knee. Another neighbor of the old man's lay motionless at some little distance from him with his head thrown back. This was a young soldier, whose snub-nosed face, still covered with freckles, was as white as wax, the eyes rolled up under his lids. Rostov looked at the snub-nosed soldier, and a cold chill ran down his back. But this one, it seems to me, is—he began turning to the felcher— we have already begged and prayed your nobility said the old soldier with his lower jaw trembling it was all over this morning why we are men and not dogs i will see to it immediately he shall be removed he shall be removed hurriedly said the felcher i beg of you your nobility come on come on replied rostov also hurriedly and dropping his eyes and shrinking altogether trying to pass unobserved under the gauntlet of those reproachful and envious eyes fixed upon him, he left the room. End of chapter 17.